Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Do you need to turn a bunch of really boring data into a compelling story? Even moderately boring data. (laughs) Whether the change program you're supporting is a digital transformation, a financial transformation, perhaps it's introducing a new grants process or new ways of working or improving the culture of the organization or anything else at all. I know that you are dealing with a lot of data and of course, being able to share the most important data in really impactful and engaging ways is going to make it way more likely that you'll be able to deliver successful change. That's why today on the show, my guest is Kate Norris. Kate is a presentation coach, a speaker, and co-founder of Presentation Boss. She's a former data analyst with a passion for presenting technical information. She has an absolute wealth of knowledge with this stuff, and her specialty is turning potentially dry information, and especially numbers, into energetic and engaging presentations. If you're leading change in a complex, data-rich environment... This episode is definitely for you. We dive into the mechanics of data storytelling. We talk about practical ways to humanize data and share actionable insights and the best ways to visualize data. We cover everything from dashboards to how to prepare for your next briefing you're giving to the executive when you only have a couple of minutes to prepare. Seriously, Kate shares so, so much golden information here. You are going to love it. My name is Dr. Kate Byrne, and this is the New Way Podcast. Okay, let's dive into my conversation with Kate now. Enjoy. Kate, hello, hello, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. To Kate, Kate Squared. Kate's are always the best people. So for everyone listening, let me just clarify that straight away. That's my cards on the table on that matter. The reason why I'm so excited for us to chat is because I know more and more change leaders and change managers who are supporting organizational change initiatives and kind of big transformation projects are navigating and needing to support really complex and data-rich initiatives and kind of navigate those environments more and more. And I think that knowing how to work with data and tell stories about it is becoming a really critical skill. So I'm stoked that you're here because I know how helpful this is going to be for so many people. I want to dive straight in with my first question and I like, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. What is data storytelling? I think data storytelling is about being able to actually communicate the insights that we find in our data. It really is no more complex than that. We've got a lot of 
data engineers, data scientists, data analysts who are all finding patterns and really great insights in data. And data storytelling then is communicating that and making that valuable to the business because it helps people in the business understand the context of that data and how it can actually be used going forward. Mm, I like that emphasis on context there. So let's say I am one of those people struggling with so much data and I really do want to share it. What are some of the things that I need to keep in mind when I'm thinking about how I can turn this data into those useful insights? I would say two things are probably the main things. Uh, The first is knowing exactly who you're speaking to. I work with a lot of people who try to speak to everyone and they're trying to address finance and also the legal side and also marketing and you literally cannot please everyone. So you need to work out what's the most important thing, who in this room, if I'm speaking to an executive team, which one person am I going to want to convince today? Because they're all going to have different priorities as they should because that is literally their jobs to have different priorities. You need to just work out which one person do I want to influence? Because if you try to target everyone, you've got to target no one because you'll skim the surface of everything rather than going deep on one particular priority. So that's the first thing is knowing exactly who you're speaking to, making sure that you're really honed in on your audience. And then the second would be, especially if you've got a lot of data or a lot of knowledge in your head, having some way to filter what is important and what isn't important. And I put the emphasis on today. We're not saying it's not important ever. We're just saying what is important today that we want to talk about. So being able to filter what goes in, what goes out. That's a really great thing to keep in mind because I know that a lot of change managers that I speak to are supporting digitally enabled transformation programs. And there's a lot of data around the IT, the system, that kind of thing. And they're working with a lot of IT professionals and experts who, they're deep in the data, deep in the data, and they think it's all important. They think it's all exciting. So having that filtering system and a focus on the currency of um, the priority and what is most important right now, that is so important. Because I guess, you know, in days to come, in weeks to come, a different area is going to be important. And that's okay to not be focused on everything all the time. It's it's just not possible, you know. I've heard you talk about humanizing the data. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? So when I'm looking at a data set with someone, I'm, try, I'm trying to use something change management. I'm working with a team at the moment who's just trying to implement Microsoft 365. And rather than trying to tell us all about all the things that everyone can do, we could communicate what is one thing that one person can do. And it feels like you're like missing out because like, there's all these other things that you could do and that someone could possibly do. But why don't we talk about you, Sarah, sitting at your desk, will be able to sync all of your files over all of your devices. Just, just that one thing. But there's so much more. But if you bring it down to one specific thing, people can identify with that. You can actually see how that applies to you personally and and that does humanize it because it it makes me realize as a person what I can do and it lets me process just one little piece rather than 
trying to get my head around, I can do these 96 things. Just give me one because I can process one thing at a time. I'm loving your focus on one person from a communications and change comms kind of perspective. Key lesson, it's very aligned to what you're saying. The idea that a lot of people feel very nervous about really narrowing their focus on who the ideal stakeholder is that they're talking to in this moment, who they're really targeting. And of course, in real life, your audience for your presentation, your communication, it's always way bigger than the ideal person, the target that you have in mind. But people will be able to see parts of themselves in your laser focus. And the laser focus means that when you try to target everyone, you target no one. It's completely hopeless. The language you use is so airy-fairy. It's up in the clouds. Everyone's like, whatever. That makes no difference to us. We can't understand it at all. Everyone has seen presentations like that. But that focus on a single person that you're recommending, I think is so cool because it really brings it down to the ground. And when we're using language that is down on the streets, everyone's on the streets. So we get it. I like that. Language on the streets because everyone's on the streets. Yep. Yep. Everyone's there. I'm like, even if you're not talking to me, I'm like, well, I've had an experience like that. My computer shit right now. I can't save stuff or whatever. <laughs> whatever it is. I think that's really exciting. And that is such a cool way to humanize data. I have heard you use a couple of terms since we've been chatting. You use the term insights and data. And I'd love to know what is the difference between something that is an insight and something that's just data? Okay, so I would actually separate it into three separate categories because there's data, which is purely kind of what's in a spreadsheet and oftentimes is looking backwards because data is always in the past. And then an insight is what can we make sense of from that data? So the information might be in terms of budget. We've spent $3 million this year is purely the information. The insight might be if we continue to the end of the financial year, we're going to be 10% over budget. But then there's a third kind of category, which is an actionable insight. Because I see a lot of people, they stop there at, you know, if we keep going, then we're going to be over budget. It's like, well, what do I actually do with that information now? How can I action that? And so that needs to be then we need to cut spending now for the next two months to the end of the financial year. And that becomes an actionable insight. It's something to actually do. And and I think it is an important distinction because an insight in itself is not actually valuable. And it's really exciting when you find something, when you kind of see what's happening, but it needs to be used into the future and not just, hey, this is interesting. Ooh, you have just broken that down in such a good way. I love the timeline on that, the past, the present, and the future. That's it, yeah. So cool. That's so, oh, my God, I'm, like, getting embarrassingly excited <laughs> about data right now. <laughs> but that that is something I'm going to always remember from now on. That's golden for people to keep that in mind. The past is data, the present is an insight, and the future is an actionable insight. So good. 
so good. Ooh, that's clever. That's clever. So tell me, when people are going through the process, if they've got that data and they're going on that journey of moving the data from the insights to actionable and they want to share the story of that and create some visuals to help them do that, tell me, what are some of your favourite ways to visualise things and to help bring things to life? I'm going to kind of be a bit boring here and my answer is always simplify. The simpler we can get visuals, the more impactful they actually are. And it can feel like you're not, I don't know, like I don't know what people feel. Like maybe they're not smart enough if they're not using complex graphs. But I would generally, for so many scenarios, a bar graph or a line graph is kind of all you need. I'm a big fan of the keep it simple. I'm like, use a small word. Don't use a big word. Use a small word. You'll connect more. We're very aligned with that. I see so many people whipping out the pie chart and I noticed you did not say pie chart just then and I can see your face. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your thoughts on pie charts. Look, I'm not anti-pie charts, but you better have a damn good reason for using a pie chart. There are scenarios, but they're few and far between. So oh, tell of, me more. Okay. Well, there's a couple of reasons we don't use pie charts as a general rule because pie charts rely on us to estimate the area of, a, of pieces, you know, if you've got two or three pieces, and also to estimate the angle because you're looking at that angle as part of that pie kind of in the middle. And we're just really not good at doing that. And I love using this in workshops. I use an example where I put up and I get people to estimate, you know, what percentage is all of these pieces in this pie graph? And in a room of 30 people, we'll have 30 different answers because we're we're just not good at trying to identify. And data analysts, they think that they're brilliant at it, but they're just humans as well. When you put that same data into a bar graph and then you're comparing the ends of the line And I don't know like the science behind it, but we are just better at estimating the distance between the ends of those bars as opposed to full areas in the pie charts. So then the next question is, so when do you use a pie chart? I would use a pie chart when the numbers don't matter. If you just want to see a general breakdown between segments, and I would generally say never more than two or three segments in a pie chart. Like, I don't want to see a whole portfolio broken down into 17 pieces, but maybe you want to see what's the market share of these three brands. And you just want to see that one is about 50%. It doesn't matter if it's 47% or if it's 52%, it's about half. When the numbers don't matter and there's only a few pieces, that's when you can use a pie chart. There you go. Listeners, we have permission to use pie charts <laughs> when the numbers don't matter so much. <laughs> oh, so that's it. That is a really, really helpful tip because I see so many people whipping out the pie chart and I have wondered about that. Are there other tips that you would suggest for how people can decide what is going to be the best? You've said keep it simple. We know when we should or shouldn't be using a pie chart if we must if we feel a kinship with the pie chart and we can't let go of it. But are there other things we should be keeping in mind when we're trying to decide what kind of visual to use? 
I think just trying to simplify and seeing what you can remove from that chart as well. Just simplifying, getting rid of as much as you can. If you can just have one set, so you're just looking at some bars, or if you're trending something over time, then I would probably look more at a line graph. And rather than, you know, if we talk about the line graph, rather than having six or seven different lines, can you simplify that to one line? If you need a couple more lines, if you need two or three extra lines for context, make them gray, push them into the background and just have the one that you're looking at standing out. So utilizing things like color, and it doesn't need to be like green or blue, bright colors. It could just be black and gray. Ooh, such good tips. I'm going to go even more, diving even more into the practical now. Something that I have seen you talking about is how a headline and the visual can work together to help tell a story. Tell me more about how you define and how you think about the headline versus the visual. Yeah, okay. So I think the headline is prime real estate. It's what people read. That's the one that people are kind of guaranteed to read because they want to know what it is. So if I go back to the budget example, if you had your headline, if you had it, we need to cut spending in the next two months so we don't finish over budget, as opposed to 2022 financial report, financial spend or whatever. So if you actually make that headline, tell us what I'm going to see in the graph. Tell me what I'm looking for. And then you can have a subheading, you know, in a bit smaller text, which is 2022 financial spend. But that big one, that that main headline, use it to convey either insights or actionable insights, not just more information, because you want people to understand what they're looking at. And the thing you want to avoid is people finding different things in your data. You want to kind of direct their thinking a little bit as well. Because if you're the analyst, if you're the one who sat there and looked at the numbers, you should be directing people's thoughts and attention to what you have found. And if someone just looks at a graph and they make up their own story, well, they might not have that background in that context. So I'm not a big fan of like, Let's just give the graphs to the executive and let them work it out. That's why they employ analysts. What I understand that you've just said is that the headline, that is prime real estate, and that's where we need to be. That is the direction. That is the result. That is the call to action, kind of like this is what you are seeing. Label it clearly. Don't leave any room for interpretation. so very helpful. Let me change tact a little bit. Something that change leaders and change teams are working with more and more are dashboards because there needs to be a lot of reporting and there are they're working with teams that might be IT teams or business intelligence to uh, you know kind of part of the team or there's a program management office that is keeping track of how everything's progressing in KPIs and so there are dashboards. And those dashboards can have visual elements in them. I'm sure you know better than me. How does a dashboard like that fit into your storytelling? So the first thing I would say is a dashboard is not a story. A dashboard is a part of a story. It can be used maybe as that insight or probably information. It very, very rarely has your actionable side very rarely is going to show you what the future should look like 
So I'm not a huge fan of self-service. It's become this obsession in the last 10 years that everyone gets self-service, but that just gives more people access to data. So I would say use dashboards few and far between and make sure that you know why you're using them because there's a lot of people who are not particularly, I'm not going to say that they're data illiterate, but they don't have that depth of understanding and they will maybe just say, can you just put that on a dashboard for me? When it may not need a dashboard and it may just need one investigation into one particular data set and you might just need to create a graph separately, but it doesn't need to be a dashboard. Maybe they look need to look at it this month, but they're probably not going to look at it again, maybe for 12 months. If they're not going to look at it for 12 months, it doesn't need to be a dashboard. I was talking to a change manager recently who told me that they are currently regularly updating three different dashboards for three different audiences, even though there's a big crossover with those audiences and it's taking up a lot of their time (laughs) doing that. Do you have any advice for that person? This is really hard, but I would say you need to work out who's actually using it And that doesn't mean who's looking at it because there can be a lot of people looking at it going, cool, I feel like I know stuff because I've looked at data. But if they're not actually using that to make decisions, it's busy work, it's not valuable work. Mm, I agree. And I think they agree. Really hard when people feel like they depend on it. Um, So it is probably a bit more of an education piece there and that probably goes more into the change management realm that I'm not as strong in. No, no, it certainly does. That is part of taking people on a change journey, even for your internal stakeholders in the change team, in the executive suite, across the organisation, those key stakeholders that you're working with that are making decisions. That's about how you are able to influence them and take them on their own change journey that might be separate or just a tiny part of the bigger organisational change program. I hear from a number of change leads, they feel really busy all the time. They're really busy all the time and they're trying to streamline and optimise the work that they do, what they focus on and what they don't focus on. And I know a few change leads who will go into meetings and kind of brief executives or other stakeholders off the cuff like kind of on the fly, like they will they might have a spreadsheet or have something on the screen, a slide, and they just kind of go in and they just talk through the data with people. I'm pretty sure that you're going to say, this is worth <laughs> spending a bit of time planning before you go in. What can I say to change leads who are really busy in that kind of situation and doing things on the fly to try to convince them that it's worth being a bit more intentional, spending some of their precious time preparing for these kinds of things? I think the one tip would be to know what you want to communicate that day. So when I talked about before about like working out what is and isn't important, if you can have one sentence written down and you need to say to yourself, if I leave this meeting and someone else can only give one sentence about what I talked about, what do I want that sentence to be? Like if if Kate leaves this meeting and then two managers are talking and they go, oh, what did, you know, one one's walked in late and they've missed your presentation. So, oh, what did Kate talk about? They're not going to get the 10-minute debrief. They're going to get a one-sentence debrief. And maybe it 
maybe that sentence is, oh, Kate said that we need to cut spending before the end of the financial year. And if you kind of identify what that is, and then that helps you stay on topic because then everything that you talk about needs to direct to that one sentence. And I tell people that they need to have that message written on a sticky note. You need to be able to fit it. It gives you a bit of boundaries. Like we don't want whole paragraphs there. We're not cheating by using like the finest biro fine point pen. You know, it gives you some boundaries and it means that you can take it into the meeting, write it on your sticky note, have it in your palm. And then when you are tempted to go off into detail or off course, or if you get asked something that's maybe a bit left field, you can keep bringing back to, hey, this is what I really want to just want to communicate today, this one key message. That is amazing. I love that idea of focusing down, getting very clear. If you've, even if you can only give yourself a few minutes to prepare and plan, the key thing to get intentional is that one outcome. What is the one key message that you want people to walk away with and be able to share with others? Oh, so powerful. Kate, you have shared so many golden nuggets that are super practical that people can put into their toolkits and start using today. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Tell me, how can people get in contact with you if they'd like to keep the conversation going? Sure. So my website is presentationboss.com.au and I'm on LinkedIn predominantly, Kate Norris. And yeah, DMs are always open. Happy to chat. LinkedIn's probably where I play the most. I know you've got some great resources on your website as well that people can download and access for some guidance and ideas. We'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been such a great chat. I am amazed at how excited I've just been about data. So so thank you. You're incredible. (laughs) Thank you. This has been fun. Oh, I'm so glad. I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 